Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast, VLB Side, Episode 6 of The Boys, Season 2 with Zerb. Here we go. It was a doozy. I wrote two things. One, it's a Frenchie giving him a shot episode. Agreed. And then um, two, it was an episode, A essentially the whole thing is like at a psychiatric ward. Yeah. So I figured the best way to go through this one is to cover the like three things that happen that aren't related to that storyline and then just cover like everything else is tied to that, the Sage Grove psychiatric ward storyline okay so what are the unrelated ones we got to hit well we've got Maeve first of all the episode starts with a uh, <laughs> another <laughs> hilarious corporate tying into her being gay with her she's she's hawking these pride bars brave Maeve when, yeah brave Maeve pride bars because <laughs> you can't be proud when you're hungry <laughs> those seem like a knock on like kind bars yeah because even the Something colors like are kind of similar yeah. And making moves against Homelander. So we knew she was going to the deep, but and I'm so mad at myself I didn't see coming what she was having the deep do, which was to go after like the black box or evidence from the plane crash in season one when Homelander it's totally his fault that the plane crashes, first of all, but he also refuses to save anyone on board because it'll look bad. Yeah. Uh, that he screwed it up. So he makes every, he makes Maeve leave with them. So I'm I always knew that that would come back. So I'm so mad at myself I didn't see it coming that that's what she was having the deep go after was to go try to find like the black box or flight recorder or whatever from that flight so she could use it against Homelander. But all they got was that guy's cell phone footage. So it was like a GoPro, and it was <laughs> he ha- he happened to capture everything. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. much got the, the the audio on that GoPro is pretty strong, picking up the uh, conversation that Maeve and Homelander were having. You know, at the back of the plane with a hole torn in the plane. So and it was it. fished out of the water in a right. school of halibut. That line I had that written down too. That was the, the line <laughs> of the episode for sure. When yeah. The, when Deep's telling her about it, he's ta- talking about his. He's always talking about his contacts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me put like that sources. in. Told a couple of my contacts to keep an eye on the North Atlantic Current. So the school halibut. I mean, these guys are like rowdy motherfuckers, right? Deep. Like, <clears throat> anyway, they found some of the wreckage that drifted up near Iceland. Fucked up. Real, real rowdy guys. <laughs> real, <laughs> real rowdy. rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> the halibut. Yeah. He. It, I noticed with the deep. Every time they show him now, they're also pumping in Enya in the background. Because he's always like with the Scientology religion crew and whatever. 
that aids to the this constant this guy is like a fucking joke. Like, he's all if if they put Enya in the background of anyone, it's just gonna come off like okay, this isn't like super serious. Yeah, don't take this person seriously. Yeah, um, that that's a small one. What were the other two going on? Uh, the other two storylines outside of the psychiatric ward. Well, this connects because so I definitely don't want to go to the end of this storyline, but it starts off with there is a thread through the episode of the totally fucked up relationship between Stormfront and Homelander mm, where it so starts fucked. off with, yeah, basically them having sex while killing a small time criminal. But mostly it's showing that Homelander is just like a, like a heart sick puppy over. Like he's just completely blinded by his love for her <laughs> all of a sudden, just cause he's got his issues and he just, he fell so hard. It's like he finally found his, true counterpart or something and he's like so jacked up that he's got someone who's like on his level kind of thing and and seems to be as perverted sexually as he is so it's like (laughs) she's got it all she she's just as strong as me and she's just as fucked up as me with with sex stuff because i also was confused when they were having sex in that alley while they were also killing that perp how was he getting off on just the rubbing of the outside of the suit there's no way. There's no way. How long would it take if if someone was just rubbing the outside of your jean pants with your dick in it? Would it take you to jizz over under four and a half hours? I would have gone over four and a half years, <laughs> but I, I don't think I, I think it's just foreplay. I think it's just getting them going because then they then they do have sex. Oh, I thought the signifier when he squashed the head and the head exploded with blood. Like that yeah, was it kind of seemed like that's where they were going, but then right after that they were banging right next to the dead body. So Well dude, he might tell. just have quick recovery time. Like his refractory period, because he's a superhero, could just be like super short. Yeah. And he also may may have sensitivity issues, apparently. Yeah, he needs to get some of that spray, dude. So Homelander's like lovesick puppy dog with Stormfront. I don't feel like this is going to bode well. No. We and we, we I think we we table this till the end of the ep because there's a huge reveal at the end. Yeah. And so we can we we can theorize about where it's going from there. Um I think so, the only other thing that really is happening that's not connected to Sage Grove is Deep's other storyline which is that he's trying to get A Train to join the uh Church of the Collective with him. Yeah. Which that doesn't really go anywhere, but that could connect in a variety of ways, including that we obviously think A Train is going to be part of the like Mave against Homelander thing at some point in the near future. Yeah. I'm now starting like unless this Church of the Collective Scientology thing comes back, which I'm sure it probably will, but right now I'm just like so confused why like I get the whole aspect of needing to ref- like have a vehicle for reform for the deep but they're getting a lot of play like a lot of much happening yeah and the guy if you know that guy i recognize that actor who's like the head of the church of the collective and he's like a at least like a b-level actor who i've seen in movies before they wouldn't bring him in for nothing so something's gonna happen with this church something is i i agree to this point you're right it's kind of like did we really need this whole like extra part of this world just for this. So I I think there's gotta be more coming with it. 
Um, yeah, so those are the storylines going on outside of Sage Grove. So then Sage Grove, the big storyline that's happening is the psychiatric hospital that Stormfront keeps like checking in on and going back to and the boys find out that like something's going down there. So everyone converges on this hospital to like fill us in on what the fuck is going on. Yeah, and and, and getting there is, uh, they, the way that they got there is that that is the piece of intel that uh, Starlight got from Stormfront's computer. And the other big thing that happens before they actually get there is basically Starlight has, she hasn't like announced it because why would she announce it? She, she just, she's left the seven. She's joining the boys basically. She has Frenchie yeah. use a, like a diamond tipped drill thing to remove her tracking chip. Oh and, that, yeah. yeah. Fuck, that and, and they're throughout the episode, um, like corporate people at Vought are trying, are like, where Starlight looking for Starlight on the movie set kind of stuff. So she has just ghosted them and joined the boys, which yeah. is a big development. So yeah, she gave she gave them the intel that is getting them to the to this mental hospital. Yeah, and when they get there, they realize that at the mental hospital, historically this compound V has been given to babies, but like they're trying to figure out a way to where if you give it to adults, it also works and doesn't like make them explode. So right. they're doing these experiments and then... And the question is, but like Vought, their product is owning... The super, like why would they want it to be able to give anyone this and have anyone be superpower, have superpowers because then it wouldn't be cool and they wouldn't like own all the rights and all the movies and everything else. So... Yeah, are they making then, an army? Well, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, yeah, so she Stormfront is like her insider who's working as an orderly at this hospital is Lamplighter, which, by the way, did you recognize him? Iceman. Yeah. Yeah. Iceman from X-Men. So obviously in X-Men, he was ice powers. And then in this one, he's the fire powers guy. I know. Fire and ice. Fucking crazy. I don't know, like, any other actor in history who has been both Iceman and the fireman. Pretty wild. Um, That guy... Fun fact, he has a Kroger brand twin brother who looks exactly like him, but just like the B level version, like he's stepped mm-hmm. down uglier, which, um, but you can tell they're twins. Yeah. Do you, can you tell me something he's in? Because I, I yeah. had no idea of this because I don't even know the A version's name. So I definitely don't know the B version scene, but I feel like now that you're saying that, like I feel like I've seen the guy you're talking about who looks exactly like him, but a little bit uglier. Yeah, he's uh, the only thing, the main thing I recognize him from, which you probably are not going to clock, is Smallville. He's in Smallville. Okay, yeah, I probably wouldn't remember that from no. 18 and years ago. I always saw him in Smallville, and I'm like, oh, did this guy from X-Men, was he doing bullshit Smallville episodes before he like got his big break on X-Men. And that's why he, this is before he got like hot and turned into a hot A-lister. And then turns out, no, it's just his like slightly uglier twin. <laughs> so um, he's, he, was, was he famous first too? So he's like full on the, uh, he's Donnie Wahlberg in this I, scenario. I think they probably came on actually around the same time because Smallville was 2001 and X-Men, he probably was, he came on first, but only by like a year or two. Because 
X2 is when Iceman like really became more of a thing. And that was like 2002 range. They probably did some uh, child acting where they do the whole twins thing to uh, bypass the labor laws. Mm, um, yeah. Full house thing. Yeah. Weird laws on that. Like you can't work more than like four hours a day or at night if you're a kid or something. If you're under 18. Um, it does make sense that uh, like little kids probably shouldn't be <laughs> on set for like 16 hours a day. Yeah. I get that. Should we get into the whole uh, Starlight and Huey, like just knock out their whole trip to the hospital and everything? I think the main thing that happened there is when shit starts to go awry at the hospital, Huey gets hit and injured and it forces like Butcher and Starlight to bond in their journey to get him to the hospital. I think that's what that was. That was a a main storyline for sure in this episode was that Starlight and Butcher have, are going to have to like find some way to connect. Obviously that way is going to be that they both care about Huey, but yeah, they definitely like have major tension. Um, and just her being a superhero right there, Butcher is going to naturally hate her. So that's them kind of working past that first level of just not being huge enemies at least being capable of being on the same team is like a main thing that has to happen in this episode that does happen. Yeah. He's always butchers always just had this thing where he's like, I hate all soups forever, no matter who the fuck you are. And he, it's finally being chiseled away. A quote of his that she says in this episode is the only good soup is a dead soup. So Mm -hmm. if you've got that attitude, it's going to be hard to just be on board with, with a soup joining the crew. Yeah, and and you're right. They did bond over Huey. I think they made some comment like he's too good for either of us. So they're kind of bonding over both knowing that they both suck and like they're pieces of shit and they don't deserve Huey, who's like the the real moral guide and compass of this show. Yeah, they're the they're the they're both the badass in the relationship with him and he's the good guy to both of them. But that reminds me. Um, so you were just doing the whole thing about how uh, Iceman is Lamplighter. Mm-hmm. I didn't put this together until this episode and look it up. Because I, I, I've had this thing with Huey the whole time where it's like he kind of looks familiar. And I think I probably have seen him in something, but I never really bothered looking it up. I finally did. Do you know who the actor is that plays Huey? Jack Quaid? Yeah. I don't know. I just know his name. I don't know what he's from. So the fact that you know his name, that's the only hint. Dennis Quaid's son? Yeah. Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. And he looks Whoa. You know that he looks exactly like Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. I didn't know that Dennis Quaid yeah. and Meg Ryan got together. There you go. Is that before she was getting with uh that guy from Indiana? Mellencamp? Yeah. I believe it was pre Mellencamp. Shit. That's a fun fact. Right? But now yeah. that you now that you know that looking at his face, doesn't he look like exactly if you mashed Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's faces together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I I was just thinking about this the other day because I realized I'd never seen Sleepless in Seattle, and by that in that same vein, I had also never seen When Harry Met Sally, both Meg Ryan vehicles. How about You've Got Mail? Have you seen that one? Yeah, I have, That's and good. I was like. All right, I'm going to try and watch Sleepless in Seattle. And but that movie is horrible. It's so bad. I don't understand the hype around Sleepless in Seattle. I was like fast forwarding through it to get through it. It was that boring to me. 
It's just the definition of a chick flick. Like, uh, but like I usually maybe like the most boiled flicks. down definition. Like, I was just so so confused. much that there's literally nothing in it, even for you. <laughs> exactly. That's that to me is a sign of a horrible chick flick. Like if I can't get on board with it, and I am obsessed with shows like The Bachelor, then it it to me it's a miss. It's just um, pure. It's just I, I I feel like I saw it on cable when I was like twelve, and that's the only time I've seen it. And I believe it's just purely about emotional connection, right? Just yeah, they don't making an emotional connection. Yeah, they don't. They, they, it's like long distance, and they yeah. sh- they essentially form this emotional connection based Without solely yeah. on the fact that she's just hearing him be interviewed in a radio interview. Like he calls into a radio station that she hears back on the East Coast. He's on the West Coast, and somehow like falls in love with him. It's the creepiest thing in the world. Like it, to me, it's just it's like definitely catfish, and it's also. I mean, just even hearing the explanation and, and just remember, it, it's like, makes no sense now that the internet exists. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, None. how was that ever how people lived or interacted? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why, like, I, I needed to see it pre-internet for it to even have a chance. But anyways, my point of all that was to say, I was looking back at a young Meg Ryan because I only know her as old Meg Ryan, not very attractive, tons of plastic surgery. But like, Young Meg Ryan? Is, I got the appeal. Yeah, she's yeah. pretty attractive. Yeah. She was, She was. I mean, like the definition of Hollywood's like girl next door for a good yeah. solid decade plus there. And I get why. I see it. You know, another one who I think of in the same vein of like, not girl next door, but in that they were in that same era of like when they were super popular, which is like early mid 90s kind of thing. Michelle Pfeiffer. Not at all girl next door. No. And even still to this day is an old lady. She is like a fucking smoke show. Yeah. Gilf. And pure and and definitely not the girl next door. The reason I said that is she's just like the definition of sexy. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Scarface and everything. Yeah, for sure. Go back and look at her like, yeah, Scarface or even like in the 90s with George Clooney and One Fine Day. She is as a MILF. At that point, she's probably in her 40s and she is. Oh, God, she's perfect. Anyways, that's, we'll uh, that's a Simmons. That's a Simmons thing. He's always been a, completely obsessed with her. Yeah. Slightly ahead of our time, even though their styles are all fucked up, their hair looks weird and weird fashion choices. It's still like, oh, I see it. I see it. Yeah, I'm gonna just have to call you out a little bit there. Of like, are you are you surprised that there's always been hot chicks? <laughs> that that yeah. hot chicks didn't just before, start existing in like 1995. <laughs> before 2000, what? Yeah, um, it just shows you, dude. Yeah, you just go back, look in time, and just have your eyes open <laughs> by all the all the hot. Keep just keep an open mind, dude. There were <laughs> hot chicks before 1995. Yeah, man. Fuck. Anyways. Um, so back to the show. Oh, okay. I think there was a classic scene that I loved at the end where should we just go to like at, like the end of this? Well, I think that we kind of skipped over what's going on in the hospital a little bit too much that um they're what's going, going in there to the just, hospital. They're just going in to get info, see what the hell is going on in there at all, and they see that it's clearly there's like a mental hospital where they're experimenting on soups like people that definitely have taken compound v and then they see on the on the monitors like they're in the security room stormfronts there 
and she's like testing a guy and then they realize it's Lamplater right as he's about to, he burns a guy alive and they're like that's fucking Lamplater and we know that they've got a whole back thing about him burning Mallory's grandkids to death and this whole thing so they walk by him they make eye contact he goes to like try to burn them but he blasts a hole in the wall and it lets this superhero this soup who's going to definitely come back with this crazy superpower where she can just like like telekinesis style just like close her hands and people just explode or like rip doors off walls and shit she explodes um, people yeah, yeah she, she just explodes, explodes people with her head and so she does that and then she starts ripping doors off and all so all of these like unstable superheroes are escaping and running around um right so there's that going on but in terms of like what it means for the story it's mostly like oh this lamplighter guy who we assumed was basically pure evil and if he came back into the show for whatever reason it was going to be as a major villain might be actually on the other side um he might actually be one of the like starlight style soups who wants to be a good person i think so i I think we and we saw that at the end of this episode when him mallory who's like essentially the the head honcho the behind the scenes boss of the boys from the cia and shit yeah she uh she actually like met up with Lamplighter and that's where I was saying they had this classic scene of like, just goes, do it. And she's pointing a gun at him. Do it. Do it. You'll be doing me a favor. Just do it. I know what you have to do. Do it. You'd be doing me a favor. Do it. And once again, we have a hundred percent success rate in fucking tv shows and movies just say do it when anyone is pointing a gun at you i have yet to ever see one example kids if you ever if you know of one example from any movie or tv show email vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com or slide into those dms vicariouslivingpodcast on instagram because i would love to know just one example from any movie ever that someone said do it and got killed we need to have a, a running thing where we check what we can find first, what Pat had brought up in your episode, whether someone who like a, a character who's in a coma just dies and doesn't wake up in that coma mm-hmm. or somebody says, do it and then gets shot. Yeah. Well, I wonder what we can find first. <laughs> I feel like the only chance I could see of like one of these happening first would be like, if someone's in a coma and they're having some like, outer body experience yeah, we're, happening we're so, we're, yeah we're, where they've got to like their like memories are or like they're they can't die yet until they like work out in their subconscious and like get closure on something and then they finally get it and it's like okay now i can die that's the only way i can see a coma yeah. thing yeah it's pretty wild to, but i think you're right it's more likely we'll get a coma death before we get and do it <laughs> get shot it's never gonna happen it's never gonna happen do it never gonna happen (laughs) and then the final thing which i had was stormfront um in homelander if you want to get into their whole i'll play the first part of the clip where she at least explains her age and her backstory um initially good call i was born in 1919 in berlin you Heinrich Himmler. He was a lovely dancer. And that's Goebbels. And the most important man in the room. Frederick Vaught. 
He gave me the first successful V injection. He taught me everything. And then we fell in love and he gave me a daughter. He made me. And his genius made you. But yeah, essentially, she's fucking 100 years old. Like exactly 100. She was born in 1919. Yeah. And she married this Vought guy, the Vought, the Frederick Vought, Vought yeah. the guy who created all this shit, Compound V, the, the corporation with soups, everything. And was who was also a high ranking member of the Nazi party. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is we're to believe that he's just full on a Nazi, right? Not just full on, like one of the core members of like Hitler's inner circle. Okay, yeah. So that explains. She's like at their show, she's showing wedding pictures and it's got like Himmler and Goring and like the literally like the number two and three people in the Nazi party. I don't think she ever said actually Hitler was there, but. And which now explains why she's such a racist. <laughs> yes, it sure does. Okay, got it now. Yeah. Now we get it. Um, not just not just neo Nazi. It's yeah. full on just traditional Nazi. Right, and blew my mind. And and then you know what I keep seeing happens in this show is everyone knows that Homelander is such a fucking crazed psychopath that like as viewers you're always watching when someone is like telling him something or pleading their case to him or begging for their life or whatever you can always see in his eyes like he's calculating like am i turned on by this like do i actually love this and like i'm totally gonna go with it this fucked up thing that they want or am i just gonna burn this whole motherfucker to the ground and that same thing's always happening with him it happens at the end of this and then he decides no you know what i'm not gonna burn her to the ground I'm actually way into this makes out with her. Yeah. And to your point, I I think we've seen him have that whole behind the eyes. He's clearly like on a knife's edge of which way he's going to go. We've seen him do it with deciding if he's going to fuck with Maeve. We've seen it in the episode where he was trying to decide if he was going to let himself give himself a BJ. Mm -hmm. He did the same thing. He did it a bunch in season one with um, what's her name that he was obsessed with in love with. Oh, uh, Madeline. Madeline, yeah. He did a bunch in season one with Madeline. Um, but yeah, so awesome acting. But when he, so he does decide to go with it, but it, what she does is give this, gives him this whole speech about how their long-term plan, the whole plan of Vought was to create a race of supermen to win the quote-unquote culture war, mm. basically to win the war that the Nazis originally started in terms of wiping out other races and shit. And she says, like, this whole time we were dreaming of you, aka, like, you are the blonde, blonde hair, blue eyed, like, Aryan Superman ideal. Yeah. So how, how could I not love you? Is what she says. And I think that's what tipped him to go, to go with it and, and to make out with her at the end of the episode is that he has this pathological need to be liked. Yeah. And when he, when he's, what he's hearing in that is that he is like the God, the perfect thing that he's always wanted to be. He's going to be worshiped by this whole, not by just by her, but by her whole movement because of what he represents and everything. And I think that's what tips him that way. Not like, not, I don't think he's in that moment being like, you know what? I do want to exterminate all other races. I think he's thinking that's what I've been looking for just to be worshiped like this. Yeah. Doesn't matter who it's from. yeah, I think it's I think it's totally in line with like his motivations for other stuff before this point. 
And, I agree. Yeah, yeah. totally. Because he's not. He's. I don't think deep down he's racist or anything. I because like he's friends. I, he just, friends. I think he just has disdain for literally everyone. Yeah, everyone's below him. Yeah. So it's so weird. Such a weird psychological dynamic going on in his head where he has such like a a need to be love complex that yeah he's just willing to take it from anyone literally yeah. anyone including I, nazis yeah i think he's got like a like a macro he wants to be worshiped and he thinks he's a god and everything and micro he like has a stain for disdain for people but he also wants like each individual person to be obsessed with him and everything so he's got he's got these weird dynamics going on both ways but so yeah. do you think do you think he's do you still see it going away where he eventually turns on Stormfront? It's starting to seem like we were <laughs> like, no, <laughs> like, it's so, starting to feel like they kill. And now I'm kind of switching and saying, I feel like they're going to kill her first and he's going to like watch her die and be super sad about it. And then become like full on villain mode. Because yeah. they killed his bitch. I definitely think either, and I don't know, I can't decide because there's only two episodes left if I think it'll happen this season. I know. Or or next season. But I, I do, I'm with you. I think she dies. I actually, cause like I said, I still think that this all fits the profile we'd kind of worked up for him before this episode. So I, I still think if I was going to bet, I'd be betting that he ultimately turns on her more as a way to like save his own reputation than anything else. Either way, th- she's dying. Like yeah, either sh- either they're going to he kill her, her or yeah. the boys slash Maeve get her. Yeah. One there's, or the other. there's just no way that she's long for this world. So it's either going to be him or the boys, but um, or like Maeve's Maeve's crew. But uh, yeah, I, I, the real interesting thing is going to be how Homelander comes out of it. Once she dies, whatever way, does he go the route of becoming the ultimate villain or in the public's eyes, he becomes the ultimate hero again? Like which way is it going to go for him? Right. He's staying around. Yep. It'll be interesting. One one nit I did have to pick with the whole thing was that, so we did find out that the the emails that Starlight saw that led them to the um, mental hospital were Mm -hmm. from Mr. Edgar, the Gus Fring character. So he's obviously very much in on that, and he has to because he's the head of Vought, and Stormfront is basically also the head of Vought because it was her husband that started it. So he's in on this whole creating a race of Superman thing, like, but he is not Aryan. He, he's not white at all. So I'm not really clear on how that makes sense. I know. Actually, Anna said the same thing when we were watching it. She's like, but isn't the head of Vought black and so Stormfront's just cool with that? And she's like a hardcore racist, like deep in her bones. Yeah, it's maybe they're sure. maybe she's just using him. She's just like I'm just he's he controls Vought, so I need public face now. Yeah, slash he's like a race trader or whatever. Like he's willing to sell out his race for a, a place in this new world or whatever. I don't know. But I think she's got thoughts that she's gonna kill him eventually he's gonna die he's he's not a he doesn't have superpowers so therefore he doesn't matter 
And then there's always the chance. I mean, maybe he's doing it because he once they stabilize Compound V, he wants to give himself superpowers or whatever. Who knows? Maybe he already has. Maybe. And we just haven't seen the superpowers. I, I actually, I, I feel like that would be a, a twist I could see coming, is that he's had uh, superpowers this whole time that he's just kept under wraps. It'd be weird. It'd be weird seeing him with powers because I just, and it could be the Breaking Bad thing too, but I just always see him as like a behind the scenes blanking on what like a puppet master yeah like yeah like a puppet master so it'd be weird to see him like get in the mix physically but last thing that happens which i thought was a little nugget into what we're like it's going to be a story that comes back is that girl we were talking about at the beginning who can explode people's heads like with her mind she did not die in that whole fallout it looked looked like stormfront had electrocuted her to death but we also saw her get shot and it didn't impact her at all so whatever damage stormfront did she healed and she yeah. escapes she escaped from the sage grove so, so i feel like she's gonna be on the boys side they can get her on their side she i think you know what backing up i think she would be a good if there were odds out there i, I think i'd put a little bit of money down on her to kill stormfront you mm-hmm. know whoever she's yeah. up with to be the, the one who actually does the killing that's a good call yeah because stormfront tried to kill her so we got a uh, motive <laughs> and mm-hmm. she also has the skill set yeah. to be one of the few people who could actually kill stormfront yeah it sure seems like it i mean it seems like she only like stormfront only took her down so easily because it was you know element of surprise struck first kind of a deal if stormfront didn't see her coming she'd be able to pop her like a balloon yep hope so i hope stormfront's head just gets exploded she sucks I just like her face too. Pretty, pretty evil. She's not attractive either. Not into it. I have to be honest. I have, I mean, you you got me with the Michael Sarah face thing. So (laughs) that's obviously there. But before you said that, I was just puzzled the entire time. Like, I can't, is she hot? Is she supposed to be hot? I really can't tell. Uh, because they're not leaning into her i don't know it's it's like her hair sucks like she has a half shaved head yeah she's got like an edgy an edgelord kind of haircut and just like what am i supposed to think about if she's hot or not i don't know what they want me to think (laughs) i don't know and she's evil (laughs) yeah yeah the evilness definitely doesn't help she has no redeeming qualities she's not evil in the way that you like a chick to be evil she's not just like bitchy she doesn't have a resting bitch face. She really doesn't. She just kind of has like a, sneer. I don't know. It's she's hard to a, explain. She's got a sneer. Yeah. Anyways. She's, got, she's just got a racist face. Yeah. She's got, she's got like a resting racist face. Yeah. RRF. Good stuff. Cool. Episode six in the books. We got two left. I'm looking forward to getting some of these answers because I feel like we're getting close to guessing exactly what's going to happen. So I, I hope. I'm anxious to see if we're right on any of our guesses. I know. I, I feel like when it all, it's all said and done, I feel like we'll probably bat like 400. Right. Yeah. Which is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Sign of a good show, dude. Uh, good stuff. Midday. Kids, we can't tell you to sleep tight just yet, but relax, kids. Relax till you do tonight. We'll wrap it up, sir. What are you going to tell those kids, though? Clear eyes. Full hearts. Do less, kids. Do way less. You-
You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.